Right, I want to speak a little bit about um, what bondage truly is and how we can live in freedom. What bondage truly is and how we can live in freedom. I'm going to start off with just looking at um, what God said to Moses. When God spoke to Moses, this is what He said to Moses. He said to Moses, Moses, um, Moses said to God, God, who will I say has sent me? You know, because he had to go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Now, there's a nice, wonderful typology in the let my people go. And what Pharaoh, I mean the whole thing with Pharaoh and God, it was actually God saying, or grace saying to people, it was the I am saying to the I will work to become, let my people go. Let my people go. Because God's people aren't people that function from I am not something and I need to become something. We are not a kind of people that want to become righteous. Like in the area of finances that I just spoke about. We are not the kind of people that say I want to become generous. No. We we are not the kind of people that say I want to become someone that loves my wife or loves my children. God does not want us to function from the, I will become something. He came in Jesus Christ and recreated the whole human race into this, that we don't function anymore from, I am not something, and now God looks at what I'm not, and He gives me a list of things to do in order how to become what He wants me to become. What God did in Christ was, He brought a complete new platform globally where we as people can now function from belief. And that belief is not for something to happen, but a belief in what has happened and in who we really are. Okay? And that was what God was actually saying to Moses. He said to Moses, Moses, tell Pharaoh. And who is Pharaoh? Pharaoh was the captain of the whole system that kept people in bondage and in slavery, where they worked for a meal where they worked for having a place to stay. And I'm not talking about now working in this physical world to have a place to stay or working in this physical world to have something to eat. In this world, we do things and we get money. The context here is spiritually, where you had to work in order to say, I am the house of God. Where you had to work in order to say, I am feeding from God. Or I find my life by what I do for this master. And uh, unfortunately, you know, the church was seen in the same category or actually functions in a great way in the same category as what Moses is, which is you are not, you need to become. You are enslaved. And then I am said, a complete new system said, I am that I am is telling the system that says, you shall do to become, let my people go, that they can be followers of me, where they function from I am and not I'll become. Okay. Isn't that beautiful? And he said, and, 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 and I, I like the, the way, and I've mentioned this before, uh, in Afrikaans, it says, it says, ek is wat ek is. Now if somebody, if you ask somebody, who shall I say has sent me? And he says, I am that I am has sent me. I mean, that doesn't make sense. In Afrikaans, ek is wat ek is, het my gestuur. Ek weet, dit maak moes nie sin nie, man. Faro gaan dit nie verstaan. But the deepest truth of the gospel is revealed in those words. I want to tell you, the deepest truth 
of the gospel, the, the end result of everything Jesus has ever done are those words. I am that I am. You know, when we were uh, on the trip to Zambia, uh, Yaku said something, and we were talking in the car about, um, you know, this I am that I am. And he said, you know, John T. Rhodes is a cricket player. And he, if he's a cricket player, you know what he must do? Let him play cricket. Okay? If you're a good cook, don't go and wash cars for a living. Cook food. Because that's who you are. Because we have been, we have been designed to function from who we are. We are so much something that it manifests. And that's what God said. He said there's a new way of life, my way of life, where I am so much that I am that very thing in this world. Ek is dat dit is in hierdie wereld. That's a big difference. Then I am not, I'm trying to become, I am not, I'm trying to copy. I am so much that that manifests in this life. And I want to tell you, when it comes to the message of, of the grace of God, I have found through years of, of just experiencing grace that there's different phases that I went through. The first phase was, thank God, God's not angry with me because when I do something wrong. Because God does not, the Bible says, love keeps no book of evil. So when I do something wrong, God does not keep score of it. Thank you, God. So if I had a fight with my wife, or I lost my temper in the street, or whatever, I know God's never angry with me. He's not even going to recall it. I remember uh, uh, telling you that story of when I lost my temper, when I lived in Douglas and beat the one guy up. I know, sorry for the visitors again, you know, but it did happen. So, yeah, and then I, I went and I, I, said, I, I said to God, oh God, I'm so sorry, oh God, help me. And he didn't even talk to me about it, because that was not the issue. It, 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 the, the issue with him is, can you believe who you are? Because the reason why this thing manifests in yourself is because of a lack of belief of who you really are. It's a lack of belief of how you really function. It's all about belief in a certain truth. So God had to come in Christ and make something really true so that we can believe in that truth and belief in that truth brings forth that truth. Amen. Amen. So if we can, and if we can awaken and realize that God has already done everything for us and that we don't function from I become but from I am. Now, if God wants us to function the way He functions, and He functions from I am so much that it manifests, which is the easy life, okay? What can stop you from not manifesting who you really are? Only not believing that you are there. That's the only thing. Only not believing it. That's the only thing that can ever stop you. Let me give you a good example. If you take a king, or a, 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 if, if I take a prince, you know, like I've been in Zambia now, they've still got the kingly thing, the king of Barosiland there. If I take the king's son, which is a prince, and I feed him something, and he gets brain damage, and he doesn't believe he's a king anymore, 
but he believes he's just uh, something else, or someone else. Do you know he will never function as a prince? Although he is a prince. He is a prince. His father and his mom, they gave birth to him, they did it all, and brought forth who he really is. And then, if you go and look at the English and the whole kingly thing and all the traditions, it's all about, I mean, when that prince is born or that princess is born, their whole life is educating that child in who he really is. Because if they cannot believe who they really are, and we see some of these kingly people really not knowing who they are, but if they can really believe who they really are, you will find that who they are manifests. And that will manifest unto the benefit of themselves and others. But it all starts with a system of you are already. And then when you believe it, the manifestation of that truth is the life you live today. Born from God. So, uh, and, and I want to say this, it's not very difficult to live by faith. It is just, to me, it's a switch of mind. It is a persuasion of something that has really happened. And at the wedding yesterday, I said to the people, I want to tell you something, that if you believe this or not, Jesus has already taken away all your sins. I like weddings. Because there are people that will go there that will never come to my church. And I've got the opportunity to tell them they are innocent and not guilty anymore. Now, how many people came afterwards? People sat and cried during the service, hearing the love of God. I'm honest, you know, maybe they will hear it later, but through you guys, or through the message, but I didn't have a lot to do with that couple. My eyes was on the crowd. Getting the gospel of grace to them, and I know they also wanted those people, their family members, to hear the gospel of grace. And when I come and when we preach the gospel, it's an announcement of something that has already happened. You are innocent. You have been made just by Jesus Christ. And this just shall live and have life by faith. Doesn't the Bible say that? The just shall live by faith. So you had to be made just so that you could believe in what has happened. And belief in that in what has happened influences you unto a new high quality of life where you can say that I function like God. I function like Him. I don't function from, I look at the list of rules. I function from a revelation of who I am. And the doing to get you to become something came from God. Not you. It came from God. I mean, there was a lady, she came to me in Zambia. Uh, she broke her arm about a year, a year before. I didn't, I, I missed the picture there. You, must, you go, go to the website, you can see a lot more pictures there. I think we've got about 130 of them there, plus a, a nice 40-minute video of everything. You'll really enjoy it. Um, she broke her arm, and I mean the arm was swollen. Johan was there with me. The arm was swollen. She was, uh, she, she was paralyzed in the hand. Okay? So she, she had a little bit of movement, but she, I tell you, she couldn't pick up a pen. Paralyzed in that hand. And we sat there, and I, I just came from the perspective of what is true about her. She is healed. Already, because of the great I am. Okay? 
I don't need to become anointed. Fasting can never anoint me. Okay? Paying my tithes to the church can never empower me to become something. Never. The revelation of, as He is, so am I, is in my heart. Hallelujah. <laughs> and, the, and the truth about what God has done for her. Took her hand, started to pray, and Yohan, I closed my eyes, I should have opened the eyes, but Yohan looked with open eyes, and he saw the swelling and the straightening of the arm happening right there. The swelling went down and the straightening of the arm happening right there. And she could, you know those poles they used to, she could pick up that with her hand. Isn't that awesome? That's a miracle, I tell you. That's a miracle. They brought in a lady that was, uh, um, she, she could hardly walk. She sat down. You can see the video on the internet where she was just sitting. She couldn't, she couldn't walk. I, I mean, she could walk to the front, but she was like, she can't stand for 20 seconds waiting for somebody to pray for her. Johan came there. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. She stood up and she walked. She was strengthened. Testifies. You know, effortless. Because we don't try to become anointed. We don't try to do something. We're into declaring something that has already happened. 2,000 years ago in Christ. You know, when Adam sinned, all that happened was the negative happened to everybody. When Jesus obeyed, the positive happened to everybody. And the declaration of this truth is what we believe. And that is what God is saying. And He's still saying it today. He said, let my people go so that they can function from I am and not I'll become. And for those of you that watch via the internet, you know, if you refuse to let the people go, the message of grace will be like ten plagues to you. You all of a sudden find that your water turned into blood. Your word, all of a sudden, the people are just talking about the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, what Christ has done for you. And the life that you have will be drained from you. Hailstones will fall on you. Let me explain hailstones. Hailstones, the Bible says, my word is like stones of, like hailstones. The word of God will fall in your congregation. You will find, if you don't want this message, you'll find your people, when they grab it, they'll spread it in the congregation, and you will experience it as the grace plague that has entered my church. That is what, that's what happens. I mean, your, your testimony of it, where we preach in places where, where there's legalism, and where you come and tell people you don't have to become, you are. You don't have to honor Israel in their war and send them money for their stupid war so that God can bless you. My goodness. Those Jews are racists, man. They are. And so are the Palestinians. We've got two racist groups fighting each other. Now you must choose which side is the good one, otherwise God can't bless you. Come on. Come on. And I know if I say that, people in America stress out because you've touched Israel. I haven't touched Israel. You know, if it comes to Israel or any human being, we must teach him. You are what Jesus Christ has done for you. And anything other than that is you are destroying his life. We can't tell people, you know, like, like we touched on finances. I can't come here and tell you guys, if you give to this church, then God's going to bless you. 
No, no, no. If you give to the church, we're just going to pay this place. So that's all. And the blessing that God gives you is because of His love towards you. That's it. Amen. We can't come with a lie. We tell the truth. And I said it before, that, 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 and I don't know why I'm on the Jewish thing, because I think because of the war. Um, the, the biggest anti-Semitic movement ever is the church. Telling the Jews that they are already, you know, that they are saved outside of Jesus Christ because of their Jewish flesh. Do you want to destroy them forevermore? I, I want to say to people on the, watching all over the world, do you want to destroy them forevermore by telling them they're special in their flesh? Where the Bible says no flesh shall be justified before God, speaking about Jews. Preach the gospel to them that they might be saved. Don't hate the Jews to the point that you send them to eternal destruction by not preaching the love of God to them where you can tell them they are righteous, not because of Jewish blood, but because of the blood of Jesus that flowed for them. Amen. We need to love people. Because that is who we are. That's how God created us. Okay, so we are functioning from the perspective of the great I am. If we talk about the grace of God, the grace of God existed before the earth was even made. Grace, the word grace means influence. The influence that there is between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit was there long before the earth was made. And now when we get into the grace of God, we are getting into that which influences God to be God. And what influences God to be God? It's called love. The agape of God. His persuasion about who He is, His persuasion about who Jesus is, His persuasion about who the Holy Spirit is, and their persuasion about who you are is what brings forth God's quality of life manifesting in God in blessing us. Now let me say that again. The grace of God is the influence that exists between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. How the Father influences Jesus. How Jesus has an influence upon the Father. And those of you that haven't heard my message on the Trinity, I, I think you need to get that. It will really help you in understanding family life. The Father loves the Son. The Son loves the Father. They loved each other so much and they were so influenced by each other that they said in Genesis 1 verse 26, let us make a man so that someone else can experience our quality of life. That someone else, and, and I love it, he says, we make man in our image and in our likeness. So we look like him and we function like him. Man was never made to function from I'll become. He was never made to function from I am not, I need to reach it one day. We were made to function as he functions from the platform of I am. That's why when Adam was made, he was made perfect. So that he could believe in what he had so that he could function in perfection. That's why when Christ came, the last Adam, and brought a recreation, what he did was he brought forth a perfection so that we can declare it, people can believe it, and from that belief be saved from the death they live in and the system they're under. Hallelujah. I pray myself Hallelujah. 
So what God does is, he, he, he came to pour out His grace on man. In the New Testament, He did it in Adam, that people could function from belief. Adam said, I'm not going to live by, the, by who I already am. I'm going to find who I am by what I do. I'm going to define who I am by my ability. Where he could define himself by who God is. Because he was made in the very image and in the likeness of God. He could have been eating of the tree of life. What that means is I find my life in who he is as who I am. But then he said, I'm going to look at what I can do and define who I am by my own works. You can have good works. There's no problem with good works. But there's something very wrong in defining who you are by what you do. What you do flows out of the belief of who you are and not the other way around. This is a one-way valve. Okay. <laughs> None return. You just, you just, it works like you believe, as he is, so am I. Okay. John said in John chapter 4, he says, I'm not even afraid to stand in judgment before God. First John 4. This is what he says. He says, if I must go and stand before God and say, God, you judge me. He says, I will not even be afraid because I'm exactly like him. And if he finds something wrong with me, he finds something wrong with himself. Because he came in Jesus Christ and brought a recreation that we can believe in. And this is why we are like him. A human being, Christ, is seated at the right hand of the Father, representing every human being. And he is called the truth. About who? About you. <laughs> so are you going to hear the truth? Live in the truth. Believe the truth. The truth believed is the life of God manifested and received in this life. The Bible says and uh, talks about a multiplication of grace. I'm reading from Second uh, Peter 1 verses 3 and 4. So we, God influences us, but this influence becomes stronger and stronger. And how does that happen? It says everything that goes into a life of pleasing God has been miraculously given to us by getting to know personally and intimately the one who invited us to God. The best invitation we ever received. We were also given absolutely ter terrific promises to pass to you your ticket to participation in the life of God after you turned your back on the world on the world's, world corrupted by lust or laws. So what he says here is, there is a multiplication of grace through the acknowledgement of God. So if you want to see the influence of God more in your life, what do you do? You acknowledge God. How do you acknowledge Him? You acknowledge what He's done. Not just for you, but as a, a, a human being on behalf of every person has become into the acknowledgement he died for my sins as a human being dying away the sin of the whole world he was resurrected as a human being sitting in perfect perfection at the right hand of the father never to die and on behalf of me and this is the truth about my life I acknowledge this as the only truth I want to tell you, you what happens there he says then grace multiplies in other words you experience more of his life manifesting in your life and I want to define grace um, in, 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 in a more I'm thinking of it now I didn't write the verse down here um, this, the, I'm going to throw this in here quickly the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 8, and this happened to me as well. You know, when I thought of the finances that I spoke about before the time, 
It didn't come out of being upset or anything like that. I was in Zambia. And you know the guy that's there, the pastor of the church? Let me give a little bit of a testimony. 14, 15 years ago, Helena and I, we went to that place to preach the gospel. If I think of this, I want to cry. <laughs> I went there to preach the gospel. After days of tra traveling through the... Through, man, I can't explain to you how difficult it is to get to that place back then. Getting there, we drove into the town, and the first guy we saw, we asked him if he could direct us to a, a, a hospital. A hospital and a police station. Because Helena was busy having a miscarriage. Okay? Then I said to the, the... Then this guy started to swear at me. I said... I drove away. I said, oh God, save him. And I was upset. I said, God, you know, we travel all this way and this is the way people receive us. Could we have been sent, you know, by you? I mean, how can it be? Because look at how they treat us. And to make a long story short, that guy that was swearing at me is today the head of all those churches. Okay, he got saved that Wednesday. Received Jesus and received this truth. I was preaching this gospel there. He received the Lord. The reason why he was swearing at me, he, he just that morning came out of jail. He was in jail for assault, beating up people. And he went to the place, Valerie, beer market, I don't know what, where they brew stuff. And he drank himself drunk. And he came swearing at me. He's the pastor today. That guy, in 14 years, has never asked me one cent. Never. I found out what his income is. His income is 40,000 kwacha a month. Now 600 kwacha is a rand. Now work it out. It's about 80 rand a month. I gave him last year 4,000 rand, okay, for the whole year. When I came there, he spent 2,000 of the 4,000 rand on my property. And when I saw the grace of God on those people, I thought, my goodness, why can't we live in that grace? We are scared. We are fearful. What about the future? What about this? What about that? But he doesn't. He's free. And that's what 2 Corinthians 8 is all about. Paul said, I want to testify and witness, testify of the grace that came upon the poor churches in Macedonia. How they gave above their ability. Above their ability. When I go to the shop to buy a Coke, the pastor wants to pay for me. My goodness. How's that possible? You know? I mean, he gave that money. To make a long story short, I gave him that money back because I couldn't take it. It just broke my heart. I just couldn't take that money. I just paid, paid him back. Here's your money back. Not that I don't want to receive it, but I bless you again then. You know, take it. Isn't that awesome? Just to see how grace supersedes a natural mind, natural circumstances where you can find a life that is above the things of this world in what he did. And then 2 Corinthians 9 says the following. He talks to the rich churches in, Mass in, in, in Corinth. He says, listen, I want you. He says, you know the grace of God, how Jesus was rich and became poor so that we through his poverty might be made rich. So what was the influence, the grace of God on the life of Jesus? The influence on his life was so much a revelation of the value of people 
the truth about people, how God cares for people, that he could say, I lay down to enrich you. And now he says, I want you, in Corinthians, to grow in this grace. What grace? The grace of being so much under the influence of what God has done in Christ that we can see the poor being made rich by laying down some of our riches. Now that, is, that can be a law or it can be a grace. If it's a law to you, don't even try and do it. But what he talked about here was you couldn't stop the churches in Macedonia of doing it because it was something that was born in them. It was a revelation that when they heard about the gifts going to the poor churches in Jerusalem, they said, we want to partake in this. And they were so happy because they saw the value of people. The nature of God came up in them because they realized that I'm not I become. They didn't function from I'm poor, I must still become rich. They function from I am. I am the blessed of God with what I have. Amen. Anointing, praying for the sick. I am this. So I can pray for this person. I was thinking as a congregation, a, a good plan would be, why don't we as a congregation get gifts together for December? And we go to an orphanage and we just give gifts to those kids and I just preach to them, you know, why God loves orphans. That will bless them, isn't it? We can be ourselves. We are the God kind, isn't it? It's wonderful. Telling an orphan, do you know why God really loves orphans? Because an orphan is also a type and a shadow of mankind. Because the, the man we were married to, an orphan or a widow, the man that we were married to, or the father we used to have, which was the law man, died 2,000 years ago in the body of Jesus, and we are orphans. Ready to have a father. Father God. That will give birth to this quality of life in us. Telling some widows that you know why widows really on God's heart. It's also a type and a shadow of somebody whose husband has died. And the lawman has died according to Romans 7. And we don't have a husband. But there's one that is standing on bended knee asking you to marry him. His name is Jesus Christ. Because he loves you. And he's invested his life in you. So when it comes to grace, and we look at the grace, I didn't even mention the thought of putting Second Corinthians in there, but, but just think of that. Think of that. The grace of God. I cannot have this message as a mere theory in my mind. We want to see the life of God manifest in this. That's why I believe in meditation. Now meditation, don't think of, you know, sitting like this so the snake can flow through here. It's, it's, <clears throat> it's <laughs> meditation means thinking and pondering upon this truth deeply and intently. That's what meditate is, to think with intense, to, to experience what you think. Okay? Meditation. So when I meditate upon this truth, and this is what I do, even driving the vehicle to Zambia. You know, many times I was driving there, and I, and I just meditated on this truth. I am fully righteous before God. The right that Christ has to quality of life I possess. And not just to have it as a quick scripture that I quote, but to think upon it for about 20 minutes. man. Just think upon it. And as you think upon it, God brings an experience 
through that truth to your heart that settles it in your subconscious mind. And you find your talk and your walk starts to change, or I don't even want to call it change, your, the, the, the talk and the walk that is in you in Christ starts to manifest. The real you starts to manifest in you because you start to really think and ponder upon this truth. Take the this, take this scripture where it says, I've done that many times in my life, many, many times in my life, where it says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into bonds, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth more than they? I sort of think of that. I think of that bird. I think of how careless that bird lives in the care of God. And as you think upon that, God, by His Spirit, brings an emotion that your heart needs to have your mind settled in that truth. And as you meditate and ponder upon that truth, you find God's life start to manifest in you. You know, when I was in Zambia, I was just thinking about what God has done concerning signs, wonders, and miracles. And that He's given man the ability to do signs, wonders, and miracles. And we saw miracles, man, many of them. In the very same way, when we start to think about who we really are, not as a theory to just have our minds, uh, um, like I said, the first step is like, I'm not angry, I'm so glad God's not angry with me anymore. You know, that, that's one thing. Thank God, Jesus take, took away the sin of the world. God's not angry anymore. Hallelujah. That's good. And that is, without it, the gospel cannot exist. But the end goal of this gospel is that you can function as an I am. Quality of life, joy and peace. Amen. I want to end off by just reading from the, the message, the message translation. Well, let's just quickly touch on Hebrews there. Hebrews 10 verse 23 to 25 says, Let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that has promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and unto good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another as much more as we see the day approach. You know what happens when we believe a truth and we see the truth manifesting in our life? The many, we, we don't have joy because it manifests. Our joy is in the truth. But the manifestation is a confirmation of this truth. You know, if I come to you and I tell you you are holy, but you are addicted to pornography, are you still holy? Yes, you are still holy because of what Christ has done. But what will, what will go on in your mind when you see something that does not confirm what you say you are will bring so much turmoil in your life. Is that I rather say, I wouldn't say try and stop to get into pornography. I say... Go and meditate upon this truth with an expectation of the manifestation of this truth by the Holy Spirit in your life that you can see the confirmation of this truth. And then you experience what God intended for you. Not to be in bondage anymore. And here he says, encourage one another unto good works. How do we encourage one another unto good works? By encouraging one another unto the true meditation of who he really is. Because that encourages him unto the good work. 
Because the good work is called a fruit. And I put on Facebook yesterday, I think, is the biggest problem that comes in the church is when we mistake a, when we mistaken the fruit for a root. The fruit is not the root unto a good life. The root unto the good life is the revelation of Christ. And then it brings forth a fruit. And I want to just say, you know, we've been pushed for fruit so much in the old system. If you don't live right, God's going to punish you and all those kind of things. And, and God's more interested in what you do than who you are. That we can become uh, um, antagonistic towards fruit. No, no, fruit is a beautiful thing. Fruit is the life of God manifesting in you, confirming who you really are. Galatians, it says this way, Christ has set us free to live a free life. The context of Galatians here is, you were under the law and you were enslaved unto a life of having the fruit of the flesh. Now Christ has set you free to live a free life. God, Christ has not set us free not to have a life in freedom. I want, you know, I don't want to be afraid of the future. I want to be free. Amen. Amen. And I am free. And my belief, belief and persuasion of this truth manifests by the resurrection power of Christ, a life free from fear. Not my effort. So I want to encourage you, congregation. Let us, let's use, you know, when we have a, a time to think about something and ponder about the good news, let us do it with intent of thinking that this is really the only truth about my life. Unto the manifestation of Him in me, free from my effort. A holy life is not supposed to be an effort Fold life, but an effortless life. It says, Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put the harness of slavery on you. I am emphatic about this. The moment any of you submits to any rule-keeping system, at the same moment, Christ's hard-won gift of freedom is squandered. Are you hearing what Paul is writing here? It is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. What is a free life? An, a life where I am not living under I must become, but a life where I am under I am, and that freedom is also free from the fruit of this thing. Like Elena, I were talking in the car yesterday, coming back from the wedding, and we were saying, you know, there are certain things in our life, when we look at our life, that we would say, man, I think this needs to change and that needs to change. But I'm not going to try and work at it. What I'll do is, I will rather say, God, thank you for revealing Christ to me and who I really am in this area, for I have found the source and the place from where I function. If we are negative towards, look at what's happening now with the farms and the taking over the farms and the burning of the farms. I mean, they burnt the whole factory in Cirrus yesterday. Whole factory, massive factory, just burnt it down. And the people that burn it down aren't even the farm workers. It's people that's been bust in by political parties, burning places, and the workers just run away. Now that can make you very angry. Can make you think, what about our country? Where are we going? Whatever. And you start to live with anxiety and fear, and racism starts to rise in your heart. And now you can start to resist racism. 
and you're going to start to resist fear, and you know what's going to happen? Nothing. You're going to become more angry. The right thing to do is rather to go and sit down and put the news off and listen to the true gospel until who Christ is manifests in your life in the area of peace. That's the right thing to do. Amen. And that can only happen by revelation of how valuable this truth is. Hallelujah. And that's what I'm trying to say here. We have been set free to live a free life. Okay, I'm just reading the last part here. It says, It's absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure that you don't use your freedom as an excuse to, to sin. This is what it says, and I'm going to explain that to you. And in such a way, destroy your freedom. freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That is how freedom grows. So he says here, and I'm going to end off with this. He says, freedom. Don't, let's not use our freedom in such a way that we're actually still under the law. Because what produces sin in your life? The Bible says the power of sin is the law. 1 Corinthians 15 from verse 55. It says the ministration of death was written on stones in 2 second, in second Corinthians. Okay? Now it says very clearly, don't use your freedom, freedom from the law, in such a way that you are still under the law. Use your freedom in such a way that you find that you want to love and serve one another and be good to each other. Now, I look at, I look at Marlene, for instance. The way, you know, she's got a... Uh, um, when the grace message grabbed a hold of her heart, now she says, calm, no, no. But she's not type of what calm is. Now she's calm. The grace message grabbed a hold of her heart, she couldn't keep quiet. She used the grace message in such a way that she wanted to serve others and get a group together. Bertie, come and preach here. Phone me, Bertie, when can you come? We just want to spread this gospel, serving people. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not saying everybody must have a group. What I'm just saying is when this rise in your heart, you will find the natural thing for you to do. Should it only be to invite your husband or invite your wife to the service or give a seat to somebody or go to somebody you know that got sick or that's ill in hospital, go and minister to them their innocence in Jesus Christ. Let's use our freedom, not in such a way that we are still experiencing the slavery of the law, but let's, experience, let's use our freedom in such a way that we can experience the life of God. Hallelujah. Now, I had a guy pastor of a church that believes in grace, leave his wife saying it's the grace of God. I want to cry, you know. It's not the grace of God. It's the law. The fruit of the flesh is what do you call it? That is the fruit of being under a law system where you are not the bad person, but where you are a victim of the law system, where you don't want to get divorced, but you can't help yourself. There's always fighting, always quarreling, never peace, to the point that you say, I can't live under this anymore, and which is understandable. But if grace, the influence of God, based on the revelation of who I really am, 
That guy and his wife could go, both of them. I want to say one's guilty and the other one is not. But if both of them could go and sit down and just alone in a room and meditate upon the I am. And this, what I'm preaching today, I will tell you, love will burst forth in their heart. A willingness to communicate in a proper way will burst forth as a fruit. Not as a five-point system in how to save my marriage. But as a fruit. Because this gospel has come by Jesus Christ to give us quality of life. Quality of life. You know, when I die one day, you know, I want to, and, and this is how it manifests in my life. I don't say that's going to manifest in your life. This is how it manifests in my life. I want to have led many thousands of people to Jesus, man. That's what's in my heart. Maybe you're a businessman. You wanted to be involved into. Uh, uh, um, I remember Andres came to me years ago. He said to me, Bertie, he was living in Malmesbury. He said to me, Bertie, I was living in, in um, Berlastov. He says, man, I want to be in ministry. But I also love business. What shall I do? I don't know how to choose between these things. And I said to him, man, just get a kingdom vision for your business. And then you're full-time in ministry doing business. And that's what he's doing. Having abundance of life. He's not a preacher. But he's a businessman. But he's experiencing the grace of God, the influence of God, in such a way that he sees the life of God manifesting in him every day, in his business, in what he does. And the very same way with us, every one of us. God is prompting something in your heart. Let's yield to the prompting of the Spirit. Hallelujah. I end off for a fifth time. My, you know, the, the fact that Elena and I, we are married, doesn't mean that we will, I will have children with her without her consent. Without her consent, we can't have kids. She has to say yes to the fruit. In the very same way with the gospel, you can believe in Christ, be married to Him, be one with Him, but fruit, I believe, fruit cannot come forth without your consent, your willingness to have that fruit. And I want to say to my life, you know, if I look at, you know, the things we're going in, and let's take what's happening in the country, you know, I got so upset, you know, with what happened. I came from Zambia, you know, and I drove down. We, we were just bragging about Cape Town, this beautiful place, and everything is okay here, and we're living nice. And Eliana phoned and said, listen, you know, you must be careful. I said, why? She said, they're burning down farms. He says, where? I said, we're already in the Cape province, man. No, no, in the Cape province. And I got so upset, you know, and I was thinking to myself, I allow God to bear His fruit of peace in my life. With my consent, He can bear His fruit in my life in the area of what's happening in this country. That I can have peace. If the country goes to waste or not, I don't care. I want the peace of God in my heart because I cannot allow some warped political ideas to, and belief in that to bring forth that party to live in me. And human effort of thinking on how to run a country to bring forth its death and its emotions of death in me. I'd rather go and sit, and this is what I said last night to Elian on the car, we'd rather go and sit and think of what God has got in store for us the church here, preaching in Zambia, helping widows and orphans 
getting involved in the gospel and have His fruit live in us. Amen and amen. I love you guys very much. You are precious to God. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for this wonderful congregation. Thank you, Lord, that they function from the great I Am. And I thank you, Lord, that you <coughs> reveal to us by the Holy Spirit every day what we are. Not what we can become, but what we are. And I thank you, Lord, that it is done in such a way that our hearts are overflowing in that area. And thank you, Lord, for that, that we can come and we can give our yes to the fruit you want to bear in our life. We enjoy the intimacy. We enjoy the life. We enjoy all those things. But as you come to us and you say, man, I want to bear this fruit in your life, free from your effort, free from everything. I just want to bring it forth. Do you want it? Yes, I want. Thank you, Lord. I want you just there where you are. I know that there's, there might be an area in your life where you would think, man, I want to bear fruit in this area. I want to, I want to see Him bearing His fruit. You know, fruit is not your job. It's, the, it, it's God's job. And He's a gentleman. He's one that functions from, from the perspective of, of honoring who you are, having union with you. And from there, you can bring forth fruit. There's times in our life when we just see fruit coming forth naturally. And there's times in our life where we just say, God, this area of my life, it's open. You can bear your fruit there. I'm not going to by my effort bear it, but you can bear it there. Thank you for teaching me and showing me what I really am to the point that I can believe it. And there, there might be areas in your life, if you're watching by the internet, there might be areas in your life. Just go and say, yes, Lord. That area, I've got an expectation that free from my effort, fully by the resurrection power of Christ, I will see the quality of life that I already possess manifest in that area. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you bring it forth in our lives today. In Jesus' mighty name, it is there, and we see the manifestation of it. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Right, we've got the, um, the giving in the back, if you want.